0: TSN 1200 presents the Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey. A weekly trip around the OHL. Now, let's put on the elbow pads and talk hockey.
1: Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. Lieber Sage with you and of course the playoffs ongoing. We are not far away from the drop of the puck. Game number 5. The 67s and the Niagara Ice Dogs all tied up at two apiece. Ottawa winning the first two here in Ottawa and then losing the next two Monday and Wednesday in Niagara, game four, going to overtime. Brendan Perlini won it for the Ice Dogs. we got a great show coming up for you. Mike Shirelli, who is a scout for the Boston Bruins, the brother of Peter Shirelli, will join us to talk about all the top prospects and how they are faring so far in the playoffs. We'll talk to Darren Dessonnier, who covers the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs, and a bit of a surprising result, I think, so far that the Gatineau Olympique go into action, tied at two games apiece with the Montreal Blandville, Game 5 tonight. We'll also talk to the color voice of your Ottawa 67s, Kenny Walls, will join us here in just a minute. Uh, What a series it's been so far, Ottawa and Niagara. Konechny's got nine points and Vince Dunn has seven points, a defenseman for the Ice Dogs. But when you look to Konechny and Dunn and Salaturo, who's also got seven points, all draft eligible players. And this is what we love about the series and especially the playoffs. It's getting younger and younger. All the time. In fact, you know what? We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we'll bring on Kenny Walls, uh, color voice of your Ottawa 67s. And as I mentioned, Mike Shirelli, Darren Dessonnier, and more. A lot to get to here in a playoff edition of the Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200.
0: You're listening to Ottawa's one and only junior hockey show. Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. Coming up later on in the program, we will talk about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs. Darren D'Sonnier will join us. And also we'll hear from Mike Shirelli, the brother of Peter Shirelli. Mike is a scout with the Boston Bruins and has been all over the map in the OHL and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs in the last few weeks. We'll hook up with him and talk about uh, McDavid and Strom and Zaka and all of the top-rated players that are coming up for the draft. But right now, we turn our attention, of course, to the Ottawa 67s 2-2 with Niagara with Game 5 tonight right here on TSN 1200. And one of the guys helping to call the game this evening, color voice of your Ottawa 67s. Uh, Kenny Walls, have you recovered from five days in Niagara, Kenny?
2: It's been it's been tough, but it's been a good transition back. Got to sleep in on Thursday morning and then back to morning skate this morning and back at it today.
1: Yeah, well, it has been uh, a tale of two cities. And, you know, we pretty much thought that coming in, Kenny, with Ottawa's dominant home record, only six home regulation losses, all year but you turn around and niagara only had eight and i don't think they had lost in regulation since the end of december so it was going to be a, a home dominant series that's what we figured coming in and guess what Through four games it is
2: it really has been and it's been the tale of two teams uh, you remember how bad niagara was in ottawa for the first two games defensive lapses uh couldn't generate much offense off the rush and just pinching defensemen were beat wide it was just uh a very bad Niagara Ice Dogs representative of their team, and then it switches back to Niagara, and it flips. in St. Catharines, the Ottawa Sixty Sevens in game number three, could not do a thing right. Their top guns didn't come out to play, they just did not have enough get up and go, and I thought in game four it was a a much better game. It was actually an entertaining game to watch. Both teams had their opportunities to not only seal the win, but uh, get the win in overtime. It was a very good uh, game, but uh, the 67s just couldn't muster up enough in the end, but uh, Game 3 was not a a very good game, and it was a nice bounce-back game in Game 4.
1: You know, when a team has a chance to close it out, and Ottawa had the lead you know, fairly late in that third period in Game number 4, I couldn't get it done. Psychologically, what do you think that does to a pretty young hockey team?
2: Uh, it, it's got to be tough. I can't imagine uh, having that lead in the last three minutes of the game, having a, a fairly lucky goal that... Uh, Vince Dunn just banks it off the back of the net and it rolls up over top of the mesh and onto the stick of Graham Knott and he puts it home. Uh, I can't see it being an easy one to rebound from, but I didn't think that it would be an easy one to rebound or I thought it would be an easier one to rebound from a little bit in Game 3 when uh, the top guns really didn't come out and play. And in Game 4, most of them showed up, but they're going to have to be a lot better at home and go back to how they were playing in Game 1 and 2 and forget about how it was. On the road because if I think if if they lose in game number five, then it could be uh, over in six because Niagara is so good on home. If they smell blood in the water, they may pounce.
1: Yeah, you have to have that killer instinct tonight in game number five. You mentioned uh, the top guns. Konechny's got nine points through the first four games, and you know on teams in junior hockey, you know exactly pretty much who you have to stop. Uh, what do you think Konechny has done right so far?
2: shop uh, when he's on his game, he is laying out hits and he is going after the guys who are supposed to be targeting him, whether uh it doesn't matter what the defenseman and Vince Dunn a forward and Cody Payne. it doesn't matter who it is he's targeting them before they can target him, and I think that's a big factor to to give him a little bit of space through the neutral zone into the offensive zone and and he does have the two goals seven assists for the nine points, as you mentioned, and it's been a, a good series for Travis Konechny so far. I think he's elevated his play in Game 2 and Game 4, and we will need to do it even more in Game 5, along with the, the Dante Salatero line with Sam Stadnick, and Jeremiah Addison held off the score sheet for the first time in last night's game, and not that he didn't have his chances, just couldn't find the back of the net.
1: When you have a lot of young players, and we'll talk to Mike Chiarelli a little bit later on, Scout, and you've talked to many scouts. Over the course of the year, you know, this is, I think, a really interesting time to evaluate because you're looking at Konechny, you're looking at Addison and Salaturo and Liam Herbst, and you know, when things don't go well, one of the biggest part of evaluations of young players is how you're able to rebound and not let one turn into two and three.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and you saw that with Travis Konechny. He, he came out flying last night. They got down. 2-1, uh, to one, and he, he just kept on pushing. There was no quit in Connecty and uh, he was the one who scored the first goal last night. So it was a big game, a big goal for him, and that first goal was very important in last night's game, I thought, and it gave the 67s a little bit of life and allowed them to carry it through till the end of the game. But, yeah, the bounce-back games and the bounce-back shifts are so important for these young players, and I think Liam Herbst, uh, in particular, will have to come up huge uh, tonight for the Ottawa 67s. He allowed... Uh, two-week goals, and, and maybe that overtime goal some people will nitpick at, but there's not much you can do when Brendan Perlini puts it through a coin slot in order to score that goal on the wraparound. Liam Herbst taking out most of the angle, and you heard Jeff Brown on the post-game show on Wednesday night say that he doesn't like the style of goaltending now, but he understands that that's how the shot's supposed to be played. He wants a guy to stand up on his feet, but that's just not how it's taught anymore. Anyway, Liam Herbst needs to have that bounce-back game and needs to uh, not allow any weak goals because throughout this series so far, there's always been one or two uh, weaker ones that Herbst has allowed so far, and he needs to cut that out of his game, especially in Game 5.
1: In knowing Liam Herbst the way that you do, uh, I've gotten to know him fairly well you know as well, and this is a kid to me that does have that ability to forget and bounce back from bad goals or bad outings, but I suppose, Kenny, it's... Awfully magnified in the playoffs, even for a guy that has that ability, right?
2: It really is. And Liam Herbst is a tireless worker. He off the ice, on the ice. He wants to see video. He wants to get into back onto the ice as soon as possible. And I know that yesterday and today he'll have gone over the video and, and seen what has gone wrong, how we can improve it and will really work hard for it. And whether that translate on the ice or not in this situation, I I don't know. But he does have that capability of putting things behind him. He doesn't worry too much about it. He'll let it sink in. He'll try and learn from his mistakes, I think, is the best way to put it. And I, I think that Liam Herbst has, I've always said that he has the mentality of a pro player already. His work ethic is, at that elite level, his preparation for games is at that, uh, that elite level. He just has to start performing on the ice like he prepares for the game.
1: Jeff Brown making those comments, I found them you know fairly interesting. You're right, he wasn't calling out Liam Herbst, but just the style of goaltending. But it is an odd time to be able to say that after a game because you wonder if Herbst will think that he has to change anything or if he just still will go with the same technique. But that's one of the things about Coach Jeff Brown is that he does say what's on his mind no matter what.
2: Best things about Coach Brown. He's he's honest. Anytime you ask him a question, whether it be with a microphone in front of him or a microphone off, you're going to basically get the same answer. And he says the same things to his players. There's no sugarcoating things. And I think some guys appreciate it more than others do. But I think in the long run, it helps everybody become a better player because you're not going to get uh, the typical lines from the coach in the media and then a different thing out in the locker room. You're going to get the same line. Game in, game out. Uh, he's very simple in what he wants. He wants his players to be hockey players and not just play hockey. It's, it's a little bit of word speak, but it's, it's just what he wants, and it's, it's fun to watch him uh, go about his business and how honest he is with his players, and I think the majority of them really appreciate it.
1: Kenny Walls, color voice of your Ottawa 67s right here on TSN 1200, joining us on the buzz on junior hockey, Vince Dunn. Uh, seven points through the first four games. Uh, he has been kind of a one-man wrecking crew as far as the offense is concerned from the defense position for the Ice Dogs. What does Ottawa have to do this evening to try and control him?
2: Not to let him shoot. Uh, he seems to have Liam Herbst's number. I think he took two, maybe three shots last night, and the one beat him on, on one of the stinkers that Herbst allowed. But you just cannot allow him to drive to the net. Anytime he scored a goal, it's been uh, right through the middle, right in the slot. He had the four in, the, in game number one and then one last night. And last night's goal was not a very good one on Liam Herbst, but it was just a simple shot. Liam or, uh, Vince Dunn getting the puck on net, and he's such a, a dynamic puck mover that you always have to have a guy on him. and earlier in the series uh, you you saw Trent Millett get into it with him and because he was wearing him like a cheap suit and that's what you have to do against Vince Dunn Trent Millett did a great job but when you don't have that matchup capability on the road it makes things a little bit tougher and Vince Dunn was able to do what he wants and he was able to remain in uh, composed throughout the two games in St. Catherine's at the Meridian Centre, whereas in Ottawa, in game number two especially, he lost his composure, was on the bench for 17 of the last 21 minutes of the game in the penalty box. So it's a matter of getting underneath of his skin and forcing him off of his game.
1: Kenny, I hope you were wearing a cheap suit on the way home because it was a long night for the Ottawa 67s, a Wednesday night into yesterday morning as you guys left after the game, got home real late. Did Niagara have the same travel schedule and you know how difficult is it to be able to rebound for some of these players because I know they've been on buses before, but boy, that's a tough travel schedule.
2: It really is a tough travel schedule and the 67s had yesterday off, I know that, and uh, just uh, a chance to recuperate. Don't know what uh, Niagara's schedule was. Didn't have a chance to, to talk to anybody specifically about that, but the the 67s, I know they were exhausted when they got off the bus. Some of the boys did not sleep on the bus, which makes things even tougher when you get in after 5 o'clock in the morning, but you do. they, they did have a full day to recover. A morning skate will get some of the, the juices flowing again, and I can't imagine that there'll be any lack of energy from either side here with uh, a crucial game uh, tonight in game number five because, as most people know, and it dictates the majority of the series, whoever wins game five, majority of the time wins the series.
1: Kenny Walls, color voice of your Ottawa 67s. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate it. And uh, have fun at the game tonight and safe travels to Niagara for game number six on Sunday.
2: Thanks a lot, Lee. Appreciate it.
1: Kenny Walls, color voice of your 67s. And it is huge game tonight because, as he mentioned, it's been a home dominant series. You'd have to think. That It's a major, major advantage for whoever wins this evening. When we come back, we'll talk to Mike Chiarelli, who is a scout with the Boston Bruins, and we'll talk about all the top prospects and maybe a little bit inside the Bruins organization as well when the buzz on junior hockey returns on TSN 1200.
0: You're listening to Ottawa's one and only junior hockey show. Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. And a pleasure to track this man down because he's very busy these days when you're a scout for a National Hockey League team. Come playoff time, you are always busy. And uh, joining us right now from the Boston Bruins, Mike Shirelli. Mike, how are you?
3: Very good, thanks, Lee.
1: Well, uh, it's nice to be able to track you down. Uh, you put a lot of miles on the car. Is it a rental car, or do they make you you know, use your own car, the Sioux, Sarnia, Barrie, Victoriaville, Quebec City, just in the last week or two?
3: Uh, I'm in my own car, but we do rent a lot of cars as well.
1: <laughs> well, you... You better because you certainly put a lot of miles in. Um, you know, you guys work all year long, and we see at the ranks, you know, in preseason, during the regular season, over the uh, Christmas break. But now, come playoff time, how different is it for the elevation of a scout to see what players can do in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season?
3: It's extremely port- importantly, uh, you know, as you well know, the, the games are. are what the boys have been uh, leading up to the entire season and they 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 play harder, they want to win, they want to be successful and uh, and you see that out on the ice.
1: When you have guys that you have grades for during the regular season, how much can that be affected because I think people always wonder well a guy has a great playoff and you know, he would probably rock it up the charts, but you have to sometimes take the entire body of work as well. How do you Decipher between the two when a guy elevates a lot, or maybe the other way goes downhill a little bit in the playoffs.
3: Uh, well, there's you. You take their performances as a whole through the, through the entire season, um, and, and it, I always um, try and remember that they are 17, 18 year old boys. You know, like uh, some of them uh, first time in this league, uh, and so there's an adjustment that has to be made, you know, and uh, and you can see that through the course of the year. Some of them plateau, but uh, some of them elevate their games, and, uh, and, and that's what we're trying to see.
1: Well, you've been to a number of cities, and I think when you watch the Sarnia Sting and the Erie Otters play, you know, I think a lot of people were very surprised that Sarnia was able to win game number one, now, I know Erie has come back, and uh, they had a huge victory in game number four in overtime to take a three-games-to-one series lead. But uh, what's it been like watching the Connor McDavid's and the Dylan Strom's of the world?
3: Well, that that series in particular has been a hard-fought series. Uh, no one expected Sarnia to do as well as they've been doing. And I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, they're they're a fairly deep team. Um and um, and they have one of the top prospects uh, playing head to head against McDavid in uh, Pavel Zaka. And uh, he's a big, strong kid. He's got a mean streak. He has a lot of skill. He can skate, and he can keep up to Connor McDavid. And he can outmuscle Connor McDavid. So you know, you're seeing you're seeing that those two lines matched up against each other, and. I mean, it's it, you're never going to neutralize Conor McDavid, but I saw a lot of frustration uh, in Conor McDavid's game uh the one game that I watched up in Sarnia.
1: Maybe explain a little bit more about what Pavel Zaka is all about because this is a kid that I think when the early rankings came out, his name was right up there and then he got hurt, and, you know, other guys elevate and he his name kind of got lost a little bit, but I would think a series like this when you are going head-to-head with the guy that everybody wants to see would be a bit of a coming-out party once again here for Zaka.
3: Well, in my mind, his game never slipped. He got hurt. He was suspended. He, he's, he hasn't played a lot of games uh, through the season. Uh, and um, he's, he's still playing hurt. He's wearing a brace on his elbow. He hyperextended his one elbow. And it's limiting him a little bit, but, um, you know, he's a prototypical pro style power forward, a strong, he can skate and, uh, and there's lots of things to like about his game. He can fire the puck and handle the puck and he plays in, in all three zones. So, you know, he's, he's a, a, a European that came over. So there's an adjustment period for these kids that come over, you know, just, and settling in and, and getting used to the, the different culture and lifestyle. And we all know that. Um, and so he did have a slower start. Uh, but, you know, you you, you temper your valuations knowing all this information.
1: Mike Shirelli, scout for the Boston Bruins, joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey. Is there anything at all that Connor McDavid could do to hurt himself in these playoffs?
3: You know, Lee. Uh, for me, no. You know, I I, I can't. Uh, you know, he he's he's the class of the league, um, and I I can't see see anything. You know, like Sarn- or, sorry, Erie is uh, is a good team. Um, there's a good chance that they won't win the OHL, um, but having said all that. Uh, that's not going to affect what what people think about Connor McDavid. I don't think.
1: And what about Dylan Strome, who came back and passed Mitch Marner on the last game of the regular season for the points title? Uh, McDavid did not play in that game that he got six points. And when Connor McDavid missed a bulk of time, you know how much the scouts put evaluation into that for Dylan Strome to say what can he do when McDavid is not on the ice because he seemed to do awfully well in Erie when McDavid
3: wasn't there. Well, Dylan Strome is is, uh, is a is a skilled kid, and and he reads reads the play very well. He like most of these boys, he has to get stronger, and and everything about his game will improve with strength. And I think that's the projection that a lot of a lot of guys are making at this point in time. Um, he 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 puts up points. He's puts up he's put up points at every level he's played at. And he's doing it again this year. Um, he he just has a knack around the net, you know, uh, moving the puck or, or or bearing the puck.
1: Mike Chiarelli joining us here on The Buzz on Junior Hockey. Uh, so many different prospects in the OHL. It's a real fun time of year. Uh, Mitch Marner, maybe just describe the type of player that you've seen out of the London Knights. Of course, a you know, fellow one point short in the chase for the scoring title, but Put up a whole heck of a lot of points as a seventeen-year-old here for the Knights this year.
3: Mitch Mitch Marner is is an extremely skilled kid. Um, uh, I think the the thing with Mitch Marner is his anticipation and his quickness, his agility. He's he physically he's a boy still, and and uh, I think that's you know that's a compliment to what he's done in this league uh, this year. You know, he, he's a, a very talented kid.
1: You know, you have a lot of guys that are competing in the Ontario Hockey League. When you get to see them go head-to-head like Zaka and McDavid, or uh, there are many other examples because you do have the the Lawson Crouses who we haven't talked about, the Marners and the Stroms and the Zaka's and the McDavid's, how much do you put in head-to-head matchups when guys go against each other?
3: Oh, it's a great evaluation tool. Lee, uh, you know, in, in in the instance of uh, Zaka and McDavid, like those two players are, are going to play in the NHL and and be playing likely against each other, you know, and so it's a really really good measuring stick, um, especially when you have them playing against each other in a playoff playoff format.
1: Let's move to the Ottawa 67s and the Niagara Ice Dogs who uh, will play uh, later on tonight in game number five with the series tied at two. And again, in playoffs, sometimes guys elevate. How much does Dante Salaturo, first of all, have to do here in the playoffs? He, he's had a pretty good series so far through the first four games. But you know, for a, a skilled player that's not the biggest player in the world, you know, in playoffs, I would think, that would count a lot with the evaluation of a Salaturo.
3: Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the playoff brand of hockey is, is usually a tougher, more physical brand. And and uh, with the smaller player playing uh, in that type of game uh, and having success, then it, it is a very good uh Indicator of of how he might be able to play at the next level with the bigger bodies.
1: 67s have a number of guys in that vein as opposed to Travis Konechny that everybody knows. But again, not the biggest body. Dante Salaturo and maybe Jeremiah Addison. I mean, three of their top players, not the biggest of bodies, but skilled guys and bring different things to the table. You guys have your work cut out for you when you're watching players like this.
3: We really do, Lee, because the game is evolving, and and uh, the speed factor is is becoming more and more important. You know how quickly a a kid can process, how quick he is. Period. Physically, Um, and so the smaller player sometimes has an advantage in that respect uh, because they can find their way through the bigger bodies. You know if they have that inclination and. Um, so when they're playing in a playoff situation, you know, you want to see how that they handle that type of uh, physical contact and, and, and play in those harder areas.
1: Travis Konechny with the nine points so far in the playoffs through the first four games, two goals, seven assists. You know, I, I think when we talk about Konechny, we have talked about him you know, last year and this year, and he's been the focal point, of course, the captain for the team. But is that his biggest asset? In your mind, kind of his his way that he thinks the game and can get to areas, even though he isn't the biggest body.
3: Absolutely, Lee. He he he's a quick, shifty kid that gets in on pucks before anyone else does and makes the play before they can uh, get a stick or a body on him. You know, and 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 that's the type of game that he has to play at the next level to be successful.
1: Mike Shirelli joining us here, of course, from the Boston Bruins. And when you, when you think about the Boston Bruins and what's going on lately here, Mike, in the National Hockey League, you, you think to a guy like Ryan Spooner, who had some time, of course, in the OHL from Peterborough to Kingston. And you know, your organization has been very, very patient with Ryan Spooner to try and get him, you know, to the next level and be successful in the National Hockey League. And and that looks like it's coming into fruition right now. He's been a senator killer, uh, scoring against Ottawa, and he's been scoring against all the teams against the Senators come the playoff chase. So this is a guy that really has finally evolved, and I look at him, Mike, as a real good example of it's not necessarily what you are at 17 or 18 years old, and sometimes it is about what you are at 22 and 23, and that really defines your job
3: well when you take a a, a kid uh, you've drafted as a 17 or 18 year old you're you're doing a um, a projection on him now obviously there's there's some players that the elite players uh that like a mcdavid for instance that are they're you know there's there's no he's he's a highly skilled dynamic kid with ryan spooner uh, the process was for him to learn how to be a pro and um you know, it, that's a different process for every kid, and and some kids never f- never get to the point where they can earn a living playing the game. And with Ryan, he, he's 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 learned. He's he, we've developed him. Um, uh, you know, we have a, a good uh, good program in Providence, and uh, and he's flourished the last little bit. You know, and and. Frankly, we've needed his quickness, his skill in our lineup. You know, And uh, you know, as a result of some injuries, uh, he's been given a great opportunity and, and he's grabbed it by the horns.
1: But the best organizations are the ones who generally, there's always the exception, but are the most patient with their prospects and letting them develop to be the pros that they possibly can be and not rushing them through the system. And Tuka Rask is another great example of... For your hockey team that you guys kind of kept them and waited and waited and finally Rask got up there. But there's two real good examples. And I kind of segue now, Mike, into the goaltender discussion because, first of all, how difficult is it for a, a guy like you to evaluate goaltenders who sometimes aren't playing Every game at seventeen or eighteen years old, you get a lot of regular season views, not necessarily a lot of playoff views. But even that, a guy like uh, Liam Herpster others, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, that these are still young men, and you just don't see goaltenders evolve in the National Hockey League for maybe eight or nine years from where they are right now.
3: And uh, that's a that's a really good point, Lee. It, it, in general, goaltenders. Take longer, and and that's because uh, you know the the level at the AHL level versus the junior level. That's quite a jump, quite a jump for a goalie to uh, to be able to step in and be successful. Um, and they they just have to be able to cut their teeth a little bit, you know, and and get some of that experience. Uh, and maybe a playoff game here, a playoff game there. Uh, you know, th- that kind of a thing where where. They they have a bit of a bank of games and 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 then they that's how they slowly improve.
1: And I don't mean to hit you at a left field, and I know that all scouts work very very hard. Do you think that there should be goaltending scouts for organizations?
3: Well, some of the some of the teams have scouts that are are working on their staffs that have had goaltending experience um, in their playing days or they've worked with goalies at some point, And so, you, you know, you, it might not have the label of a goaltending scout, but they have a lot of experience around goalies and with the position. So, you know, a lot of teams draw on those fellows for their opinions. and um, And I think it's important to have someone like that in the organization.
1: Mike Shirelli, scout for the Boston Bruins. Of course, the brother of Peter Shirelli, And I know a lot of people here in this city, Mike, are hoping that you guys somehow, some way, do have a slight percentage of trying to get Connor McDavid because that would mean the Boston Bruins wouldn't make the playoffs as the Ottawa Senators would. I know that as a scout, you're hoping not to have a legitimate shot because that would mean your team would be in the dance and we all know that anything can happen once the NHL playoffs start.
3: The, uh, these last few games, Lee, you're right. Anything can happen. You know, it's a matter of bounces. Um, um, and, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to predict if we're going to get in or if the Sens are going to get in because I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, I'm obviously hoping that we do. And, and your listeners are obviously hoping that the Sens do, but, uh, you know, it, it's that close, the race,
1: Yeah, it really is. Thanks for providing some valuable insight uh, for us and uh, make sure that you drive safe and uh, get all the information that you need because uh, the playoffs are a great time of year. There's nothing like a junior hockey playoffs night after
3: night after night. Absolutely, Lee. I agree 100%. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Lee.
1: Really interesting discussion with Mike, especially about uh, goaltenders and their evaluations and how patient sometimes you have to be in an organization with your prospects. And what better example than Ryan Spooner, the Ottawa native that has come to play now in the NHL, that's for sure, and helping the Boston Bruins as they try and get to the playoffs. We'll be back with more the buzz on junior hockey here on TSN 1200.
0: listening to Ottawa's one and only junior hockey show, Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. Where have you been, Darren DeSonier? Where have you been? Because it's been too long since you've been on the program. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Uh, doing excellent. Uh, you do a fantastic job at covering uh, the Quebec Major Junior hockey league and maybe specifically but not just entirely the gatineau olympique who are involved in quite the series uh, right now uh how many people expected this series to be tied to two after four games
4: um uh, you know what i think people who don't know the league very well probably not but anybody within the circles especially in gatineau circles this is what they're expecting Gatineau is their their 14th place team, but they're not really. They had a load of injuries at the beginning of the year. They lost six of their regulars early on for the season. One guy quit hockey altogether. The rest were for injuries. But when they finally got everything together, got their – Benoit Gru got his trades in at Christmas. They got those eight guys acclimated to what's going on with the Gatineau system. They went 12-1 and 2 down the stretch. So pretty much what we're seeing now from them is what we should have been seeing from them all year. I mean, they should have been a top five, six team from the beginning. So, no, I don't think anybody who knows the game and knows what's going on would have uh, would be too shocked with what's happening.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes when you see the three versus 14, you're right. You do assume a little bit, but, you know, injury such a big part of it. And I think most importantly, maybe from a coach's point of view, uh, I would hate to go up against Benoit Grew in a playoff series. You just know that no matter what the circumstance, it's going to be difficult.
4: Absolutely. The guy's magical. I mean, he is, in many eyes the best coach in the league, and he's proved that year after year, with all the championships he has, and all the, you know, taking uh, nothing and turning it into gold quite often, really. So, yeah, I would never want to go up against him either. It's the same thing, you know, never been against Shula at home, that same kind of mentality.
1: Now, I don't want to ask you about the specifics, because we're into playoff hockey and it's the best time of year, but uh, for everything away from the ice that the Gatineau Olympique, have been through this year. Uh, How well has the team come together? Because you just mentioned the record, but uh, even off the ice for a team to be able to gather themselves after a couple of major incidents off the ice is not an easy thing for young men.
4: Yeah. You know what? They're handling it really well. It's not really getting to them. It's not affecting them. They're a good bunch. They're, they're close. I mean, I'm when they were back with the, um, Talbot days and the Claude Drew days That's the same kind of chemistry and atmosphere they kind of have in there and the same kind of commitment. It's not, I mean, when you had Claude Giroux, you obviously got the best player in junior at that time. They don't have that now. But what they do have is they have a lot of guys that are really playing as a team. They're very comfortable together. They're playing for each other. And a lot of times that that makes all the difference in the world to make up for some of the skill that you don't have. Now, having said that, they do have some skill. Louis Marcotte is, is one of the guys. Uh, that has a lot of that skill. He was with Val d'Or last year when uh, they won the, the President's Cup, uh, and he, he came over in the off season. and he said he had a great year, um, and he's one of the leaders there, and he's holding guys together. Um, they picked up a couple of other new guys that kind of were just kind of rounding into shape and becoming part of the Gatineau family, if you will, in the past, say, month or six weeks. Um, but I think the biggest thing, and one thing that's really getting everybody together and driving them closer is their goaltender now, Francois Bressal, who's from Hull, uh, spent last year with Cape uh, with Redden, or part of this year with Cape Redden rather, and then three years previous with Quebec. Uh, so he had a lot of experience under mm-hmm. under Patrick Waugh with the Powell. So having him come along, being another hometown guy to add to the mix, and yeah, they've just, despite the adversity on the ice, off the ice injuries and whatnot, yeah, they've really come together well. And like I said, they're playing like they've been playing when they had the, the good years of you know six, seven years ago.
1: Our good friend Darren DeSony joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey, who covers the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He does a whole bunch. Uh, we see him at the rinks, at the Canadian Tire Centre for the Senators, and uh, the Ottawa 67s as well, but uh, has a focus on the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you talked about Francois Brassard. It's a name that people will recognize because he's a former pick of the Ottawa Senators. They didn't sign him, and he was an invitee to Buffalo's camp with all the Ottawa connections. I don't think that very much of a surprise. He was pulled on Wednesday night after giving up uh, four goals on just 16 shots. Was this about the goaltender or Montreal kind of stepping up?
4: No, that was not about him at all. The fourth goal, questionable. Um kind of a cut into the side of the net and just tipped it over his pad. Maybe he should have had it, maybe not, but the other three goals, no, not really much of a chance, but it was more for him. It was 4-1 at that point to start the third. Um, it wasn't... Gatner has played fantastic in this series. It's been an amazing series to watch. So much fun, both teams. Gadno just wasn't there on Wednesday. So, they're not coming back from that 4-1, so give him a little bit of rest. They, they played the two back-to-backs with a couple days off in between. So, no, it wasn't about the goal at all. It was just about giving him a rest, maybe let Nicolas Lachance come in there and get a little bit of playoff experience himself because he's going to be the guy going forward. Um, but Broussard played lights out um, the other three games. So definitely not his fault, that one. Um, and no, Benoit, we didn't take it out to embarrass him or anything. He just took him out because what's the point? Let's we just run out, rest him, get back, get him ready for, for Friday night because that's going to be the big one now because we're down to the best of three. But... Man, if you can get down to Bois Brianna and watch that one tonight, that'll be a blast.
1: Yeah, it really will. And you know, back on Sunday to the Robert Gertin Arena, let's talk about other things that are happening in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and specifically the Quebec Rampart, who are supposed to be this big world-beating team and hosting the Memorial Cup. But they're in a real fight here in the first round. And where has Zach Fucali gone?
4: Yeah, well, you, you mentioned off the top who would be surprised by the Quebec-Borne-Abrain series. I'd say nobody. I'd say pretty much everybody is surprised at this one. Certainly not the start they wanted to get off to being down. Uh, all indications would point to they're going to be fine. Zach Fucali's going to pull it together. You know, We all know what he can do. We all know what he's done. I don't think it's too much of a worry there. Um, but obviously that being said, the next game is huge, and you don't want to go down 3-1 to a team like Cape Breton because even though they're the 13th seed going in, it's still a pretty tight one through 15, 16 in this league. I mean, all the teams can beat anybody, so uh, I'm not too worried about them not being around come, uh, you know, third round at least, maybe even to the final. Uh, I think they'll be hard-pressed against Wurruski if they do make it to the final because that's the team to beat, in my opinion them and Moncton by far, I think, are the, the top two teams in this league. And then I think you got to throw bob ball and then Gatineau and then just in the next tier below that one. But, yeah, Quebec should be fine. They've had a little bit of struggles here and there, but it's not like they're getting blown out or anything. Um, the games are tight and close, and it's just that last one where for Kelly kind of lost control a little bit. But I think, yeah, they should be fine.
1: Did they load up properly for a team that is going to be there at the end no matter what?
4: I think they loaded up as much as they could. Um, I don't think there's too many pieces. They're pretty comfortable going in with what they had, especially that was their main focus was getting for Kelly for, for in, in goal. Uh, other than that, I think the pieces are all in place for them to be solid. It's just it's so hard in this league to win, even if you do load up. Everything's got to fall into place. You've got to have um, players playing at their best every night. You've got to have no injuries. Um so it's really hard. You can put it all on paper and say, yeah, let's get that, and that should work. Well, it doesn't work that way, as we all know. Mm-hmm. So I think they did their due diligence. I think they did what they think they needed, got what they needed, and it's all, you know, it's a pretty good mix there. So um, it will be, I think, a huge, huge upset if they go out in this first round, but again, I don't think they will. So,
1: What's the status on the Robert Gertin Arena here in the next little while? Oh, who knows about when it's Status quo cool for now. Nothing's
4: changing as far as what I'm hearing. There's talk about doing this and that, uh, some upgrades here and there. But um, as far as I'm hearing, there's nothing concrete in the works, No, nothing new breaking ground as far as even renovations to it. Um, so we'll have to wait I guess, a little while till the end of the summer at least to hear anything new on that.
1: Well, that's a good thing. It's one of the best rinks to go to, to watch a game and to have playoff action there isn't anything better than the Robert Gertin Arena, although no. you in the press box might differ a little bit just because the press box is not very big.
4: No, it's tiny. Well, I was in, I was in the press box for the first two games because the TV cameras take over most of the space. It's tiny, so uh, me and my friend Jeff Blount from Le I have to sit up in the, in one of the lodges, one of the suites, to do our work. So. You, have to,
1: you have to be one that's of the people. All right, yeah. well,
4: they, don't, they don't open the bar for us, though, so that's too bad.
1: <laughs> Darren D'Sonnier... Uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey, and you know, for the Gatineau Olympique, uh, with all the turmoil that they've had, maybe a chance here to turn it around and write a nice ending to what's been a bit of a difficult year.
4: Absolutely, and if you get out to the games, look behind the opposition's net, and you'll see that that ghost that they have every year hanging out—the ghosts of the Gertin.
1: The ghost of the Gertin. is he there for all the regular season games? No, just the playoffs. Just the playoffs. He,
4: well, you can't—he's there, but you can't see him in the regular season.
1: Well, of course, It's he's only
4: a, in the playoffs that he let, lets himself be seen.
1: He's a ghost, Darren, of course. That's right, he's a ghost, exactly. Of, uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you at the rink real soon. Yes, sir. Thanks very much. Well, that's about going to do it for the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. I want to thank Darren Dessoni for joining us. I want to thank Kenny Walls and Mike Shirelli, Scout, for the Boston Bruins. Once again, the schedule tonight's game, game number five, the Ottawa 67s and the Niagara Ice Dogs. And Game 6 on Sunday in St. Catharines. And a possible Game 7 back here in Ottawa on Tuesday night, if necessary. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. And you've been listening to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200.